it's nine years this summer I was diagnosed and then you hit the first problem doctors talk me and my wife they told it in doctors terms and not layman's terms but it turns out I had pics what was dementia to me I, I knew nothing I used to deliver, I used to go to homes and I used to see people sitting around walls and I now realise they were people with dementia. And I look at it and I just think, that's not what I would want. I want my, my parents when they were alive, I would never put them there. And you start worrying, you start thinking, oh my God, is this the end, do you know what I mean? To get a dementia is not the end. It's not the end of your life, it's the beginning of a life. And it's the beginning of a life for the whole family. We get told, we go home, you have to tell your family, your kids. Two daughters went into denial, my son went and found out everything on the internet. Now I see a mirror when I see him. But does he know too much, or has he got a strain of it? And I can't tell him to go to the doctor. He's nearly 30 now. I can't tell my 30-year-old son, you've got to go to the doctor. It's up to him. So you get through that phase. And then you get the social people come out, and they are the most wonderful people in the world. Not. <laughs> she offered me two things. The first thing she said was, six of us sat round the table, drew straws to see who would come and see you because we'd never heard of pics. Well, dementia's dementia. It doesn't matter if you've got pics, Alzheimer's, Louis, you have a dementia. So why the hell they should do that, I don't know. Secondly, she offered me um, meals on wheels. And I can still do a roast, I can still do a good shepherd's pie, good fry-up. I can still cook. I was 49. Then she offered me respite. So I said, go on then. Tell me what all about this respite. Because I didn't know it at the time. And she went, uh, we'll put you somewhere for two weeks away from your family so they can have a break. And I went, how much would that cost you then? And she went, £1,500. Great. So I sat there and I went back, OK, give me £750. We can go on a holiday together for two weeks. <laughs> <coughs> you similar to what you will be saving seven hundred and fifty pounds, which can be funded in another direction. People like myself don't want to be put away. Our families don't want us to be put away. There are people who are worse down the line, and when it comes to that time, that is the time to use the money. But then I don't agree with it because I've seen so many people go in and happy. And I've seen so many people come out a different person. <coughs> because nothing happens in these places. So, they didn't go along with that. And I was lucky to do the APPG. Um, and Andy Burnham was there. And I said, and he was on about, oh, we're going to have a great social care service. It's going to be like this. We're going to have the people. So I went, who's the top people? I said, you get people in who are ex-bank managers, you get people in who are ex-pilots, ex-airport managers. Not one of them knows anything about dementia or care. The people on the shop floor, 
will work all their life and they get nowhere. They get to a line and that line's blocked. And as much as you puff that wall, it will not fall down because they bring these top people in on top wages who know, excuse my French, bugger all about dementia. It's got to change. You've got to have people in charge who know what it's all about. So that was another one. Then it was my wife to be my carer. Oh, that was another one. She was working, couldn't be my carer. Divorce me, move over the road, she could be my carer. Oh, you marry for life and death. What the hell are they trying to do with their families? And then I sat there and thought, well, I've got a family, I'm lucky. If there's someone on their own, what are they not getting? What do they hide? What's not coming out? I went to Chelsea Football Club for my 50th birthday with my brother and we met a lovely family from Wales. The little girl's now passed on. But her dad said down there that they would pay the phone bill for you. If you couldn't pay your phone bill, the social would pay it for you. You're not told this. I wasn't told I could get disabled train ticket. I wasn't told I could have a bus pass at 49 because I had an illness. They don't tell you everything what's going on. And that is a big battle. The other thing I've noticed over the years, I've now been ambassador for six years, I think. Something like that. And we are making a difference. Oh, now. I think I'm in your two-thirds, living well. Um, but it's an industry. It is frightening. It's become an industry. People will do talks and charge a £1,000 to a hospital, which I know of. What's it cost? Don't cost me nothing to stand up here and talk. That £1,000 would give three beds in that hospital for one day. And this is what's got to change. And when I was at Brighton at the Congress, someone said to me, it's a business. And I went, no, it's an industry. It's getting too big for people coming in, taking the money, and then you don't see them. But it's frightening. There's a book company who do books, and I was with a young student nurse down Brighton, and she said, I'd love that book, but she said, it's 115. £115 for a book. And yet it's the nurses who need these books to understand. So they're ripping people off. And I've really noticed this since I've had dementia, because I knew nothing about it. Great. But now I'm really into it, and I can say my bits because I can, and I can say what I want, because I've got dementia. <laughs> so, it's the same as Frank. People don't know what it's like to live with dementia. I don't know what it's like to live with dementia. Frank probably knows more than what I do, what it's like to live with dementia, because he's looking after his mum for all that time. I feel the same person I was 20 years ago. Things have changed, but I get up, I'm still the same person. When I was diagnosed, the first thing I'd done was get rid of a clock because I didn't want to sit and watch the time go by. My wife got in touch with the Alzheimer's and they put me into the most wonderful club in Brighton at the time called the Towner Club, which 
the council and all that shut down because of funding. But I sat in there one day and we used to have students come in, second year medical students on day release and come into this club. And at the end of the day, one of them said to me, um, what do you do now when you finish the year? And I said, well, go home. Aren't you staff? Then she went. And I went, no. I said, I've got an answer. The staff weren't doing what they should be doing. I would help feed an old lady. I would show these people at the club what we would do. That wasn't my job. But because I'd done it, they thought I was staff. And I just thought, well, yeah, OK. Go along with it, do you know what I mean? And that is why a lot of the time these clubs are shut down. It's money. They don't want to work because they're not getting enough. The other thing I've noticed as I've gone round, I've spoken at care homes, nursing homes. Why does it cost £1,000 or £1,200 a week to have someone in a care home in one room, which they live in, and go downstairs for a meal, and if you've got 10 people and you go on the 1200 there's 12 grand a week. Now, that does not cost £12,000 a week to run that home. They give boiled eggs. Oh, don't cost nothing to get an egg out of chicken, does it? They give you soggy food. They do scrambled egg on toast. They're not putting the money back in. They pay the staff the most pittance of pay... And they're just taking the money. And it's money what could come into the dementia and help develop ways of defeating it or slowing it. And it's just one of them things. It just bugs me. You know, £12,000 a week. I'd love that. I'd love that in a year. When you're diagnosed, you lose your job. Why? Why do you lose your job? I was the same person last week. Why do I lose my driving licence? If I want to go have my go for my licence, which I did think about it, but I've now pulled out of it, I'd have to do a four-hour driving test. Why don't they allow you to do that before they say you can't drive? That should be done first. Because, A, it cuts a lot out of you. I have to rely on people if I want to go motor racing or football. I could used to get in the car and go off. They cut another arm or a leg off you, really, by doing this. And this is what I was saying earlier, or someone said earlier, doctors know nothing. I'm sorry. You tick the box, but you don't know what it's like to live with it. You don't know what we go through. You don't know what we lose in life. And it's silly things to you, but it's important things to us. And... It's not, you know, it's like, well, like I say, a million, but there's 800,000 in the same situation. And you probably say 5,500 out of that could still work, could still do mundane jobs. Japan, I know friends in Japan, the wife had dementia and she was a nurse. She still works in the hospital. She changes sheets, she washes the patient. That's the mundane. But she's still got her job and her dignity. Why do we not do it over here? Why can't we do things? You know, people say, what work do you do then? I say, I'll go around talking. 
Because that is my job now. I'd go and talk anywhere. I'll talk to one person, I'll talk to a hundred people, to a thousand people. It don't bother me, because I'm only talking to one person. And that's how you look at it. But you have to change your life. Well, fair enough, I used to work six, seven days a week sometimes. But when I was diagnosed, I'd still had my weekends, like when I was working. Because if you have seven long days off, then you feel really rubbish. But by having your weekend and doing things still, I've got a week of my life, and then I have my weekend, and my grandchildren, and that's what how it should work. But we're not teaching kids enough. We've got to get into schools. I've got an appointment, actually, with my grandson's headmaster to see about going and talking to the teachers and to the pupils. One, t- one eight-year-old, he's, two, he's, he's an eight-year-old boy, but he's ten years old in his learning. And I sat and spoke to him about dementia on a school bench. And I walked out of the playground and thought, I've just spoken to a kid about dementia. And he was interested. And I think it's got to happen. But the best news in the last week, apart from the government, more people are scared of getting dementia now than they are of cancer. So it is working. We are getting there for people to start saying that. Graham, thank you very much indeed.